Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I'll go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as Jeff DT. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, Pete. What an interesting round last week. So it was just all on Sunday. It was Zach Merritt, monster scores. It was just a monster finish to the round. Yeah, the uh, the curveball as well with Cornelio. So lots of uh, coaches reverse trading or going off the fly and... Um, yeah, it gave a bit of variance, which I always encourage and like. Holding trades beyond Friday last week proved critical. Look, it did. Um, personally, for me, I actually was always trading out Cornelio as a point of difference because he was highly owned. And it just so happened to be lucky and work out in my favour because I used one of my trades on Sean Darcy on the Friday night. So, um yeah, there was a lot of coaches out there that got stuck. You know, he stuck with Cully as cover, and that didn't work well. And, yeah, it was a bit of a diabolical situation. So I think um, those coaches that got burned may be more um, restrained this round and, and for the rest of the year. Yeah, interesting ones there last week. was certainly the Canelio one. There was no heads up that he was going to be an out. Obviously, when that news dropped, that there was, you know, there was panic stations all over the place. Fortunately, that was the... You know, the first game, well, equal first game pretty much on Saturday. So you pretty much had an hour up your sleeve um, to make a decision then. And I was under a bit of of pressure myself as well, and it did alter my plans. I ended up um, uh, landing on uh, Sam Walsh, which turned out to be actually quite okay. Um, The other one there um, was Rowan Marshall, obviously uh, becoming solo ruck for St Kilda, and that was due to the late withdrawal of Tom Campbell for the Saints. So the way that played out is that um, uh, Ned Reeves, at the, obviously teams put their team in Thursday afternoon, and Ned Reeves for Hawthorne was named an out. But at the same time, St Kilda would have been putting their team in on the Thursday afternoon, is that they're, they've gone back to the dual ruck setup Now, whether it was on purpose or not, or whether they knew Reeves wasn't playing in advance, like I don't know that, but... You know, they named Tom Campbell, and listening to Brett Ratton in his press conference, he pretty much said is that once they did see the Hawthorne team with Reeves on the air, they knew McAvoy was going in as pretty much as a solo ruck, and that they were going to match that. So, you know, Ratton and the coaching staff knew Thursday night that they were going to have Tom Campbell as the late out. But obviously, once they named their initial team, is that they've got up until you know late teams get in an hour before the game to make that final decision, and, and that's pretty much what Ratton said. Is that you know they wanted to keep the Hawks guessing on what they would do, and you know they held that decision right until teams were announced, and that really you know turned Marshall into a massive sort of you know potential for big score, and he absolutely crushed it. So you know from that perspective that we didn't know, I mean. I did look at the teams and I, was, I seen Reeves out and I thought, oh, is that a chance the Saints to go back to the one ruck? And they eventually did go there. But you just actually don't know that until the teams drop. So thoughts on that, how that went down? Yeah, it's, look, it's unfortunate for us as fantasy coaches. You can understand and sort of respect the tactics by St Kilda in that instance. But, yeah, still bitter from our end because, me included, I would have brought Marshall in, absolutely no doubt, if I had known he was solo ruck. So... And a lot of coaches in the same boat. You know, you win some, you lose some. You can't get them right all the time. But um, he becomes a target this week, nevertheless, and we move on. So the, the thing about Marshall was, um, and I just watched obviously he had a monster game, is that by the end of it, he was actually out on his feet. So, like, really, obviously, a 
big impact on the game. So I just wonder how much fatigue plays into this week and whether, you know, I'm really interested because I reckon Campbell might be uh, named again this week. So it won't be um, for anything other than, you know, he might need that support. So there was a little bit of a drop-off there uh, from Rowan Marshall, but that was just based on his fatigue and output. And, yeah, he obviously, you know, if he can get time on ground in a ruck position at 85%, you know, that's a good situation, but yeah, we can't. You know, he might just crash it out like from fatigue if it's any more than that. So I just wonder where Ratten's going to finish up this week. You know, whether they go back to two rucks. So be interesting to see where that lands in team selection. Anyway, on to the next one. So solid bench cover is certainly a requirement to finish the season. Your thoughts there? Yeah. So look, Cully pre pre round twenty would would have been adequate cover. And, and reasonable to, to run with Cully as against Gold Coast. I don't think that was a, a bad decision. It's just he didn't um, turn up and, and do what coaches needed him to do. So um, as long as we've got one of one you know one prominent player in each line, I think feel it's fine. It doesn't have to be a bigger name. Um, but if you've got team value and a bit of cash there, obviously you can. And I've mentioned this before a while ago, Nick Dacos, I, I'd be swinging him, putting the E on him, especially with these Friday night game this week. He's, um, you put the E on Dacos, whether it's defensive line or midfield, whatever you need, and, and then play your trades from that um, as long as you've got cash and depth and, and the rest of it. So um, we can get a bit, a bit creative, but, yeah, those that got stuck with Cully for the Canelo cover got stung, and that's unfortunate. That's just a bit of bad luck. Yeah, it's almost the way you set your team up, team up throughout the middle of the year. Obviously, you know, for those that do monitor their bench health and, and obviously satisfactory scoring and output and, and obviously the, the, the key component of the game is to scrape salary from your bench and put it on ground and, you know, maxim, maximise your point return. But, you know, it was a big situation on the weekend. I thought the way it's turned out, I, I didn't, I didn't realise how many people were impacted. Uh, but looking through the top-ranked teams, you know, uh, at least half a dozen teams that I came across in the top 25 actually needed to start um, a non-premium-type player, and even a couple were stuck that they had to actually name Carmichael, so, which was really interesting. He started sub, so they had no other option yeah. other than to start that. So um, I didn't realise how uh, people were impacted to that length once I started going through all these top-ranked teams, and I go, oh, man, it's really bad. So it's just, you know, you, you've obviously got oh, pre-season to set up your bench, and obviously as each week goes by to, to obviously up, make, up, make all the upgrades, but to maintain good um, bench health. So it's just one of those things that it was a long setup to get to that point of view, and those teams that struggled on the weekend is that they might have played the oily rag situation for a long time and, and eventually just got bitten by it. Your thoughts there? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Like it, um, there, I think there was a big shift in that top 100, top 500 even, because of the, that call and the lack of depth. So interesting how the last three weeks plays out because, yeah, I, I felt like there was big movement um, where, you know, Based on one one laid out, and I, like I've I've been surprised there hasn't been more carnage. I feel like the Canelio issue's been the probably the first issue for for months that we've had that we've had to deal with. So we've been pretty lucky till now. Yeah, I agree. There's been no real um, issues pop up on the weekend, so that was the biggest one to go down. Already, unique vice captain and captain options can provide a positive return as we witnessed on the weekend. Your thoughts, sir? 
Well, I think the VC for sure, unique VC, but the, I still maintain playing a straight bat with the captain. Um, you know, Zach Merritt versus North Melbourne, a softer appoint, a, opponent, even with um, Turner named and, and those nervous coaches like myself waiting to see if he was going to get tagged. But you know, Merritt captain was a reasonable and logical choice, really. But you can have fun with the VC and... And get creative with the VC, especially yeah, Melbourne versus um, versus Collingwood. You know, if there's a, a plural of players you can pick from Melbourne. Petrarca's one that's finding form. But um, if I was an Andy Brayshaw owner, or um, not Andy, gee whiz, what's Angus. his brother's name? Angus. Angus. Thank you. If I was an Angus Brayshaw owner, I would uh, I'd be chucking the VC on him because. Bit of midfield time last week, Pete, and a bit of time behind the ball still, and who knows what he'll score. So he could be up there for a 140, in my opinion. So that's that's where I'd flutter it and just have a bit of fun with the VC. Yeah, just um, Brayshaw. So that situation sort of evolved from the James Harms uh, situation being out for the week. So I did. I actually did. I didn't tweet anything out, but I actually did work out that at quite a few hours before the game. Um, that Brayshaw was going to play midfield. And I, I looked at this and it bounced zero. Um, the only thing that told me that he's a potential to go in that midfield was that, you know, they had they didn't name a replacement in their team selection. And this is where you really go into, you know, when teams are named. Don't look at what's on field and where... I see people analyse teams and where people put in positions. I mean, that's just a complete waste of time these days. Anyway, so... It's the ins and outs. So when you get a like for like, you pretty much sort of analyse, yeah, that's a midfielder, midfielder. But, you know, when Melbourne named their team last week, they didn't offer a, a pretty much an exact replacement for Harms. So someone else had to go into that midfield. And so when you thought, when I broke it down, I thought, well, who, who are the options there to go into that midfield? And you know, Sparrow going to go in there big time. And I thought, you know what? They named Jaden Hunt, and he'd been playing at uh, halfback pretty much in defence for the VFL. So I go, well, hang on a sec. So if Jaden Hunt's coming into that team, somebody's going to be popped out of that defence and go into the midfield or to a wing, and that's going to push somewhere, someone else into the midfield. And I thought, well, hang on a sec. Jaden Hunt's going into that defence. Who's in defence? Angus Brayshaw. And I go, you know what? I re- and we know he's played midfield before, obviously. So I thought, you know what? I reckon Angus Brayshaw is going straight into the midfield there this week, and that's exactly the way I played out. So... I was quite, quite sort of happy. Gave myself a bit of a pat on the back that he worked it out, but it was just it was just going through the process. So that's what I'm trying to say with regards to working out team selection. Don't worry about what they're lined up at half back and centre half forward and what they see teams put out. It's almost irrelevant. So what you need to see is the like for like replacements, you know, and what teams sort of generally go with. And if there's not a like for like replacement something's going to alter within a team. So you just got to figure that out. It's a bit of a puzzle for each team and each team selection. But it's obviously, I think it's actually really good to go through that process and try and figure out, you know, what could happen throughout a team selection. So just your thoughts on that. Yeah, look, it, you're spot on, 100%. In and out, what what are the changes? Of what, and the Himmelberg's another good example with the young fellow on debut. Like, um, yeah. yeah, and then obviously the potential of Himmelberg going forward as a result, which did eventuate. So, um, That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, so uh, the, the harms thing, so if harms comes back this week, we could just all go back to normal in our normal roles. Where you, sorry, Melbourne will go back to their normal roles, which you would assume. Awesome. So just, yeah, keep a flag on that. But I thought Brayshaw, and 
you know, we remember two years ago or, or so how good Angus Brayshaw was when he did play midfield in fantasy sense and football sense. So he um, he definitely has got the talent. Um, and I'm keeping a real close eye on it myself because if um, if there's wind or word that he's going to play midfield and half-back and rotate between the two spots, that's gold. well, that's a dream. Yep. It's an absolute dream for fantasy coaches, and I'll be jumping on this week. I actually think, you know, Melbourne have been really tight with their midfield rotation, centre-bounce rotation this year, like really tight. Um, and Goodwin pretty much is locked in to a few top players. But even, again, team selection will tell us the story. If Hunters goes back out of that team and Harms comes back in, you know, Brayshaw's probably going back to half-back. But if it's not really that situation there, is it, I, I can imagine that Brayshaw stays in that middle of the ground. So, But you just team selection will give us a... Big inkling of what's going to happen, but Goodwin's presser might also give us an inkling of what's going to happen there as well. Alrighty, we'll move on. So we are talking AFL fantasy season-long classic mode. This discussion is pre-round 21. This podcast is being recorded on Tuesday night, August 2nd. And, of course, the news is being crushed out for you on the AFL Ratings Network. The content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand is what we did have last week. Already, Jeff, onto ownership, round 21, top 25 on ground, 20% or higher. I might drop below on a couple here. So the Rucks, Tim English, 72%, Max Gorn, 68%, Ryan Marshall, 52%, Braden Pruce, uh, 20%, and just a couple below there, Sean Darcy, 16%, Rolly O'Brien, 16%. Thoughts on any one of those? Yeah, okay. So the Pruce owners, that's a bit higher than I thought. I didn't even think he'd factor in, so... Interesting by those coaches and um, probably, yeah, Marshall, the informed Ruckman at the minute that you want in your team. Yeah, Bruce is the highest risk. That's what I've mentioned before. So he almost got suspended on the weekend. It was, just, it was nuts. And he put him in that south in a position and lucky enough to get suspended. Uh, sorry, he was fortunate uh, not to be suspended there as well. Uh, but, yeah, Marshall, big score. Hopefully he stays at solo Ruck there as well. If that's the case, big target again this week. All defenders here. Oh, and just on that, Rowan Marshall's... Rowan Marshall situation, uh, check on the emergencies there. So if if Marshall is named solo ruck and Tom Campbell is named emergency, obviously just really monitor that situation and sort of, you know, if there's anything like changing for St Kilda, uh, factor that into your trade. So just, yeah, don't forget the emergencies in that situation. Not saying that St Kilda will do it again, but they obviously did it last week. Already on the defenders there, Jack Sinclair, 92%. Jordan Dawson, 84 Jack Crisp, just still struggling there. Jeb, 80%. Jaden Short, all over the place in his role, 80%. Sam Doherty, 80%. James Sisley, 72%. Tom Stewart, bit of ownership there. Spike, straight away, 32%. Harry Himmelberg uh, started forward last week and then got moved to back late at 28%. And Nick Dacos there at 24%. So thoughts on anyone those? Uh, Jack Crisp, I think it's pretty much time to move on there. Uh, and the other one there is obviously Tom Stewart, and you know his he his ownership is going to spike really quickly there, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder though if if Win Hager goes to a Tom Stewart to tag this week, they'll be one to watch. But um, look, short, crisp, Sicily, they've got to be on your radar. High ownership, trade them out, get a point of difference, and, and gain some ground. Onto the bids there, so gridlock again. So Rory lead 100%, Lockie Neal 96, Jack Steele 96, Callum Mills 96, Andrew Brayshaw 92, Zach Merritt 92, Jack McRae 88%. We both agreed on McRae uh, if you were going to trade anyone out last week and it pretty much played out that way. 
Uh, Sam Walsh there, 12% there as well. So obviously still gridlock there at top eight there. I think I had a bit more of a think about it over the weekend and this week, Jeb. Is it, you know, if it's pretty much gridlock in those top eight midfielders, you know, obviously, you know, your ability to gain rank is going to be on the on the flanks, as in the defenders and the forwards. You know, the defenders are pretty much locked at the ownership there as well. Um, so if you've got the defenders locked at ownership, uh, Crisp obviously aside and might be flipped to Stewart there as well. But if you've got the mids there as well, and pretty much most people I would think are going to end up on Gorn and English and maybe even Marshall then there as a flex between the forward line. But I think your opportunities lie, and we'll get onto the ownership for the forwards at the moment, but I think your opportunities do lie on the forward situation. And if you can work out the matchups for those forward options that we can roster in the forward line, uh, so obviously the mids that we can roster in the forward line, you know, there's an opportunity to gain rank there. So thoughts on that? Oh, for sure. Like I, I, this is the time of year where I'm really looking at ownership and and, and flipping the um, the highly owned players in every line. But yeah, a, a lot of midfielders. Like I would love to trade Jack McRae, but I feel like trading short crisp um, gives you a better range and a better um, jump in, in those rankings, in my opinion, with scores. So um, yeah, look, it's it's a tough one because. We could trade Jack Crisp this week and he could go Coco Bananas and Melbourne aren't going to tag him, are they? So no. it's um, it could be a, a three-figure-plus score. Um, he might snap out of his form slump. So you do it with a risk, but at the same time, it, it's educated and, and we play the game for, for risk and reward, don't we? Yeah, so it just reminded me on Jack Crisp as well. As a Taylor Adams is sidelined through injury, so... You've got to imagine that Crisp is right in there, centre bounces, high centre bounce usage for the remainder of the year because he's a big body um, and obviously he can uh, perform well in clearances. And, and when you're coming up against the Melbourne midfield, you're going to need big bodies and you're going to need um, clearance type players. You're right that Melbourne aren't going to tag him. I wouldn't have thought. No, like they're not, not a tagging team. So. I think he's, you know, I think he's high midfield this week, and I think he's high midfield. Um, yeah, and pretty much a situation where he could win plenty of balls. So obviously we mentioned his scores and you know time to move on and all that. I mean, it could be a last chance saloon type situation where you go, well, you know what, a lot of things align here, Jeff. Is that you know Adams is out injured, so opportunity, you know, opportunity we need to strike on as fantasy coaches. Yeah. Um, and you know, where's he going to play? Well. I'm saying, I'm, I, I, I'm not too sure if you agree or not, I think it's going to be high midfield usage because they need the big body. You're going up against Petrarca, Vonnie, Angus Brayshaw, uh, Clayton Oliver. Man, you're going up against the best of the best. You, you, yeah, I, I, mean, I completely you, agree with that. You just, yeah, you're, you just don't want to put Josh Carmichael in there who's going to get torched. And, you, and Collingwood yeah. have really struggled with their centre clearances this year, so I still think you need big body. And that just all, all signs to me point towards Jack Crisp, middle of the ground thoughts there, Jeff. No, spot on, and and Pendles might um, come in and and play a bigger role in there this week. So you're 100% right. My my number one target to get rid of is short ahead of Chris. Um, I think Sicily will go pretty well down at Tasmania as long as the weather's good. So, um, yeah, Jaden Short, assuming no carnage at team selection, he's one of those highly owned players that I've been trying to get rid of for weeks um, and finally should be able to get get it done. Yeah. Uh, on to the next one there. So we'll go. We'll do the forwards. So Josh Dunkley, 100%. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's still okay for Dunkley there. Marcus Bontempelli obviously copped a leg hook there, spent a bit of time forward late in that game this week, not on injury report this week. I think he's okay to play. No situation coming out of the Bulldogs to suggest otherwise. He's at 92%. Will Brody, um, obviously not high game time there, but can get the scores still done. So a lot of people still rocking with him, which is fantastic, 68%. Uh, Luke Parker, uh, still strong scoring there as well. Uh, 64%. Uh, Tim Taranto there. Like, the Giants, anything's up for grabs for the Giants. Like, anything is possible. Uh, obviously, really struggling through that midfield. And, you know, it's a quality midfield, but just the performance there is just really poor. So, who knows what's going to happen there with Taranto there. Um, so, it's at 48%. I think that's an issue. Uh, Bailey Smith there, uh, back under the roof this week. I expected he would go nuts. Uh, but it's against the Fremantle team who do like to hang on to the baller situations. I've got to imagine Fremantle would like a little bit more better ball movement this week, and the Bulldogs are going to certainly going to give that to them. So you've got to imagine that it's going to open into the range of Bailey Smith for a high ceiling top game. So 48% there. Mitch Duncan, uh, low score last week, but I still think he's in a good situation to score well there. Maybe it's this Tom Stewart impact coming in that, that takes a lot of um, you know plus sixes and a lot of free ball and defence from, from Duncan away. So just keep an eye on that situation. You know If he pops in another low score there, and yeah, obviously... Again, I've mentioned it with Geelong players. They will manage players. They did again last week. Zach Turi out. So, yeah, they will manage players. Duncan is in that range of an older-type body and previous injury history and trying to be perfect going to finals. Uh, Cats have been pretty forward with that, so kept that in mind there as well. And Dylan Moore, like, you and I have been uh, both on him for, like, only for me for a short period of time. You've been a little bit longer. But, yeah, obviously we've not acknowledged his scores. Um, started forward last week. Uh, struggled early. Uh, John Newcomb actually got tagged uh, by Windhager early, so Newcomb had to shake that tag. He went forward, and he actually did impact forward there as well, but that actually just did send Dylan Moore back into the midfield, and he just went ballistic. So, man, if he can get anywhere near that midfield at a high rate, he's, we know his score there, but any any part of just roaming around, his scores are really good. So uh, he has a, a very high acceleration in his scoring there. So, again, he's at 24%. Thoughts on any one of those, Jeff? Um, yeah, they're all pretty. They all sound pretty vanilla in terms of what I would expect for the forward line and full position and ownership. So again, trying to get creative, um, more rucks. I didn't hear Darcy Cameron in there or, or within the ruck line. So um, there's a lot of coaches moving off. And news today that um, Brody Grady's got a or had an in- injury issue with with his ankle, I believe. So. Um, look like, looks like Grundy might be another week or two off. So, again, we get creative in these situations. Don't be um, shy to pull these low-ownership low players that, with the high ceiling. All right, Jeff, who are your top three targets for round 21, assuming you don't own any? Well, I already gave away one earlier in the pod, and that's Angus Brayshaw. Right? I'm just obviously, like we said, we're going to monitor his position and role and what happens there. Uh, race, Mason Redman, who is just... Unbelievable in the air, for one, and and you know, playing the Ridley role that we thought Ridley would get this year, ironically. So he's uh, he's up and about and in form, and they'll finish the year strong, as will the the team in Essendon. And then lastly is Brad Crouch. No love for uh, the uh, ball magnet Brad Crouch at St Kilda. He's just quietly getting it done. And um, yeah, I'm trying to get Jack McRae the Brad Crouch, but I quite. Can't quite make it work yet, mate. Now, um, my, my three hit, uh, Connor Rosie. So, obviously, Port now pretty much out of the race for finals there. So, 
Uh, and ever since Rosie's gone into the middle of the ground, he's got free reign. Now there's a little bit of pressure off Port Adelaide. I just think they might just play a little bit of, you know, a bit of freedom there. I don't think there'd be too much structure there. So I reckon, and Rosie's form recently with regards to fantasy, uh, Airport has been strong. So I think he, you know, he could be high selling type situation there to finish off the season. Uh, the next one, Mason Redmond. So for me, there, I'm on this, um, Bandwagon as well. Well, not really bandwagon. His scores have been outstanding. But I just want to put in there this lock on a big sell on him, as in a big target, and especially at Marvel Stadium, and he can impact. But what we, his matchup against the, I know you were just talking about Redmond there as well, but it just actually just got me thinking, Jeff, unfortunately, and put a bit of shade on it here, is that Nick Haynes has played the forward uh, defensive role previously, is what we've seen the last few weeks, hasn't he? He's gone, play, he's gone forward and, and sort of been a matchup for, you know, those intercepting uh, defender types, and that's what Redmond is. So, yeah, yeah, like just a... That might be good for Himmelberg owners. Well, so, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's right. There's two ways to look at this. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. So, so from my, my point of view, a big set, I love Redmond. Uh, he's in my top three. But, yeah, it just got me thinking when you were talking about him, I go, oh, hang on a sec, Haynes is in there. But, you know, if Haynes plays defence, it could be okay. But, anyway, big sell on Redmond, like him, but... I don't like. I still think he can get there. Even Haynes sort of plays along with him because if he takes those kickouts or reserves those kickouts there as well, that he's still going to get there with his score. It's, it's just when you just want that ceiling game there. Exactly. It, it's the ceiling type players that we're looking at, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. So he can get there anyway, even if if Haynes does hang around in there. And my last one there is Tom Stewart. So big target there. Uh, we know he can hit a high ceiling game there, and with a couple of games, I think to finish off at GM HBA Stadium, he could get there in a big way. And I'll just point out, and you know this anyway, as a West Coast supporter, Geelong played West Coast in that last game at GM HBA Stadium, and obviously that's the last game before finals for Geelong. Everyone gets the week off now before finals, obviously, for quite a few years now. But what it is, is that I've got to imagine that is going to be a very low-intensity type game. And it'll be just... we have, It'll be West Coast players will be... We have, we actually have to play this game. The, the, the white tag will be... The white tag will be... Um, thrown into the middle of the ground before the first bounce is taken off, and it'll be just a chip mark game. So what I'm saying here is that if that's a chip mark game, and you know John will hit the scoreboard and get up there early, and and I've got to imagine you know, that's that second half from Stewart that is just right in the range of just going ballistic. So Stewart is a, a target now as quickly as possible, bar for that last game of the season. Man, he just could go nuts. Thoughts, Egypt. Yeah, mate, you're um you're spot on. I always booked a trip to Melbourne for that last round, and um, unfortunately other things got in the way, so I can't get there. But uh, I was going to head to the Geelong West Coast game and be one of the five supporters in the crowd. But um, yeah, you are nailing it right on the head. It's going to be a soft football match. I think the Eagles, the way they played the year, um, don't want to really have too many major injuries. You know, the young fellas will have a crack when they need to, but it will be a game of keepings off, mm. um, more from Geelong point of view. It's just whether, you know, Jezza Cameron needs seven goals for the Coleman like a few mm. years back, and, they, you know, there might be some um, storylines there to, 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 to look at. So, um, mind you, Barras has been in pretty good form. So, yes. yeah, look, it's uh, Tom Stewart... Great target. I, I brought him in last week for Canelio and, and Flip Himmelberg from my defence to my forward line. So I'm pretty cosy. But I am worried, like I said, St Kilda this week, they don't mind tagging here and there. Ben Long, 
um, win Hagar. They might send someone to Stewart uh, just to keep him honest. On to the next one. So notable low break Evans. I'll just run you through a group of players here. So Jason Bergeron, excellent halfback role, minus one. Elijah Holland struggled a little bit last week. Still got there in the end, sort of. Minus one. Josh Worrell in defence for the Crows was actually pretty solid. He's at zero. Ash Johnson for Collingwood. Uh, he's been pretty solid up forward for the Magpies at one. Uh, Tyler Sonzi through the midfield. And he's at three. And Noah Cumberland, who's been outstanding for Richmond forward. Um, but he's playing that lead-up top role there as well. And he's break even a four. Thoughts on any one of those, Chip? Oh, I just note that Burgoyne will play the rest of the season. Um, he's getting expensive now, but he's just been great. Um, I thought Worrell was pretty honest, but Duty's coming back, and he might make way just as a as a positional thing. So, but Adelaide, you know, could could develop. And I thought Worrell was vastly improved from previous season. So, um, yeah, Cumberland, amazing, amazing second half of the year. So. Still, you know, we're going to have a lot more debutantes in these last couple of few weeks. Um, so just keep an eye on that. You can throw away D8, F8 um, and M10 now. Like, there's no real need to hold it any longer. Um, so basement rookies, get the most cash in your bank and, and maximise what you can spend. Yeah, just on Josh Worrell. So uh, throughout the year, Matthew Nix has pretty much said on along these lines. It's we're not going to just throw a guy in there just for one week. You know, we're not going to develop him and just give him one week and just bring him back out. So um, based on Dodie, I just think he's a questionable to, to return this year. Um, hopefully he returns this week, but I think they might actually just give him another a week at, at a minimum. Um, so, uh, and basically, and not just basically on Royal, I just, um, based on what Nix has said, they're not just going to throw these guys, young guys, in for one week. So I think there's a bit of longevity here for Royal. He might be in that team for the remainder of the year. So... Uh, I'd be pretty bullish on Royal staying in that team, at least for this week. And obviously the, the situation with Dodie, if he comes back in, that's going to be monitored there as well. But yeah, Jace Bergeron has been an excellent halfback role, pretty solid scoring. So if you can get onto him still, if you need some backup there, I think that's a pretty good selection. Uh, but you've got uh, Bonner there and Houston to come back in. That might impact Bergeron's situation there. So keep an eye out on that one as well. Already on to the next one, said notable low players potentially dropping in salary on the radar to target soon with a... 130 break even plus, so pretty much at this stage of the season, we're not really interested about uh, high break evens, just obviously whether we can afford them or not. But anyway, I'll roll through these players. So Oliver there, uh, Clayton Oliver, 148, Cam Guthrie there, 133, Stephen Keneally, 132, uh, Bailey Smith there, 132, uh, Josh Kelly there, 131, Jack McRae there, 130, Hugh McCluggage, 130. Thoughts on any one of those, Jeff? Um, look, yeah, McRae, I've mentioned that I'd trade him out, and if it's going to be this, it's got to be this week, otherwise he drops more cash, and it just is harder later. But, you know, Clayton Oliver, for example, he's a, a good VC option this round against Collingwood, could go massive. So, like you said, it's not really... In 90% of cases, the the break-even game's not uh, really relevant at this late stage. Onto the notable strong scoring output with a 115 plus average last three rounds. So Rory Laird been amazing, 144. Uh, that game, uh, that final game for Josh Kennedy this week. So great career, Congratu- congratulations on that. West Coast and Adelaide last game of the round this week, Jep. So there's a bit of rain forecast. So and Optus Stadium is a bit of a slippery surface. So uh, surface. So uh, you've got to imagine that ball could be on the ground a little bit more. We know Rory Laird can get the get the scores done with the tackles there. 
So 144 last three rounds, and he's just gone nuts. So I think he's a really good option there as well. Wet game, no forecast for this week. Uh, Zach Merritt, outstanding, 141 last few weeks, uh, especially on the weekend there as well. Uh, Jack Steele there, 126, been excellent. Callum Mills, 122. Rowan Marshall bumped up boys' score last week. He's at 120 last three, last three rounds. Uh, Brad Crouch, you mentioned him earlier, 119 last three rounds. Marcus Bontempelli, 117. Tuke Miller, 116. Just keeps chugging along. Um, got shut out a little bit last week, but still got there in the end. And then Patrick Cripps, 115. He was excellent on the weekend. At, he's at 115 the last three weeks. So thoughts on any one of those, Jeff? Just Brad Crouch, and he's you know next to Neil ownership. It's um, quite remarkable because his name has popped up the last few weeks with some really good scores. Okay, on to a few key players for listeners to finish up. Thank you for sending those in, as always. Time to play lock or dislike. We're going to do a 21-pack, so our blackjack pack to finish off the podcast, Jeff. So 21, let's get into it. So Connor Rosie, um, again, pressure off Port Adelaide. I think it's going to be open season for Rosie just to go about it through the midfield. Uh, no pressure at all. Uh, I think he's going to click plenty of ball there. So big like for me. Yeah, I agree, mate. Like from me as well. Yeah, Mason Redman, I mentioned what I mentioned about potential issues uh, with Haynes going back this week, but still a, a big like here for me. Yeah, same massive like. I, I really like the point of difference. On to Ben Key. So, you know, we've mentioned it before, you know, teams out of finals, they could throw up something different, you know, positional moves there as well. And you know, obviously Adelaide have been out of the race there for a while. And then last week, what we did see is that Ben Keys went out of the midfield completely and went on to Adam Saad in a, in a tag. So uh, Keys sort of got the any score anyway, but it was a it was a hard tag on Sard, and he had a high impact uh, against Sard, and that, that went a long way to Adelaide winning that game against Carlton. So it's just one of those things. And you know, listening to Roy Laird uh, on Monday in one of his interviews, there he said, you know, uh, the the thinking behind Keys was, as it wasn't just the, the tag on Sard that they wanted to. Be, to get into is that they wanted to give more opportunity to Saligo, Berry, and um, Schoenberg in that midfield. So that's the future for Adelaide. So, you know, we mentioned it previously is that, you know, when teams are out of the race, they look to the future. And that, you know, another team that just comes to mind then thinking about that situation is Hawthorne. Josh Ward, we've seen him go nuts the last couple of weeks there. So, you know, hopefully he doesn't go nuts to finish off the season. It's going to be um, a little bit more expensive next year. But, yeah, just reference the teams that are out of the finals race that are going to try a few things. And, you know, Nix has been really solid. He'll give opportunities for, for a short amount of time for the young guys once he thinks they're ready to go. And it's come at the cost of Crouch. who can't get, even get a game because he's not the future of Adelaide. Is it, you know, it's the Berry, it's the Sligo, it's the Schoenberg. So that, and it even affects Ben Keyes. So he was the one shifted out. Uh, Led safe as houses in that midfield for me. There's no way known. I think he's moving out. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's another reminder that teams out of the finals, things could be flipped about on their head and, you know, giants in that situation there as well. But from the point of view of liking Ben Keys, it's a big dislike for me. Uh, yeah, with role, you can't, um, and you know, if he's going to be Mr. Fix It or whatever, we can't be going to that, so dislike as well. Riley O'Brien, uh, it was okay, but the scores just were nowhere near it last week, so dislike for me. I'm going to say like, given the run. So he's got West Coast, North Melbourne and Port Adelaide. I think that's a really good run to finish the year. And again, he um, he's still got a chip on his shoulder for being dropped early in the season, so hopefully he bounces back. Tim Taranto, uh, I think it's 
it's it's excellent strategy here for Tim Tarando. So, you know, Mark Mavay, we did send that press conference on the weekend. For those that watched it, you know, he's pretty much blasted his players. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen here uh, with his future with regards to Tarando. So, but, you know, when, when you hear a coach uh, provide that sort of talk, is it, you know, situations are going to happen, players in and out of that team, positional changes. So, Taranto, uh, I do like his, obviously, his fantasy output here, but from this situation right here, right now, with three games to finish out the season for GWS, it's a, it's a big dislike and it's a big radar here for something, uh, not just particular in particular for Taranto. There's a, there could be movement with that team that could be no good for Taranto. Hopefully it's the opposite. He goes in there and puts out enormous scores. But, yeah, once we hear coach speak like that, anything's up for grabs, Jeff. So dislike here for me, Taranto. Yeah, dislike as well. Um just on the McVeigh thing, if if he comes out and says something like that, I'm expecting a pretty big uh, selection move come Thursday night. So just watch that space because to, you need to follow up comments like that with a statement at the selection table. And I think there's going to be a couple of big surprises and Taranto could be one of them. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and Keneal has to come back in that team as well. And what we did see, so about, even now that you mention it, and what we did see the week before was Tom Green out of that team. So, you know, there is some yep. rotation sort of thing happening with this midfield at the moment. And, you know, Taranto could be right in that range for something to happen. So don't, don't know. We'll just have to wait for team selection there. Uh, the next one here, we spoke about Angus Brayshaw um, earlier. So in the middle of the ground at halfback, I like either. It doesn't matter. Com- combination of both. Either good one or the other. Either, either is good for me. So big lock here for me. Yeah, lock as well. We've um, pumped up his tyres previously. Dane Zorko, dislike for me, too volatile. Yeah, I'm going to say dislike. I just don't like bringing injury-prone players in at this time of year. I think that just limits you from getting creative and, and bringing in fit, healthy players with high ceilings. Zach Butters, right in the range of Connor Rosie here uh, with regards to freedom to do whatever you want through the midfield. So he, I expect him to be in, in the midfield to, at a very high rate to finish this season for Port, for Port Adelaide. So... And for those game, those people that did watch that Collingwood and Port Adelaide game on the weekend, Zach Butters was outstanding through that midfield. So that's not changing. He's going to be playing through that midfield at a high rate. If you want to go a little bit of a point of difference here, Zach Butters is your man. Uh, Rosie's obviously there as a choice as well. But, yeah, he, I expect him high midfield usage this week. And, again, I've just got to – that game last week, obviously against my team, Collingwood, but – uh, that game last week that he played, he was he was amazing. I mean, Rosie was best on grand, best on grand, I thought, but uh, Zach Butters was right there alongside him. So yeah, I expect high midfield usage, and he can get there with his scores. So I don't mind the pick. I'm actually going to say I like it. I'm disliking this. You couldn't pay me enough to uh, bring Butters in after he scarred me at the start of the season. So, um, and as good as he is, I, I feel like there are better players again with a high ceiling. On to Sean Darcy, uh, and it's pretty much a dislike here for me. So this scoring just hasn't been there, the consistent high ceiling sort of situation there for me. Disliked here, Jeff. Yeah, dislike as well. I've been watching him closely for a couple of weeks as an owner, and I finally traded him last round. Um, he can't jump. Something's, something's up here um, with Darcy. So his ability to take a, a pack mark has um, diminished. So... No plus threes, plus sixes, that hurts. So, dislike. Uh, Jake Lloyd could be an option to finish out the year. Um, I think it's in the range of, you know, we would need to tap into some high ceiling type players. He's certainly that, but, you know, obviously the, the signs have changed their game plan, out, game plan up the last couple of years. 
So, you know, you know pretty much what you get from Lloyd at this stage. It's not the ceiling that we're used to, but, you know, he can still get there. But all we need is three weeks. I'm on the fence probably. Actually, I'm just going to sit on the fence with this one. Oh, interesting. No, I'm straight dislike. Um, Blakey, uh, the emergence of the Swans in general um, from defence, I just don't think um, their style of play warrants Lloyd as much as they uh, have in the past, so it's dislike. Yeah, interesting. Redmond went nuts there on the weekend, Jeb, so, and that was against North Melbourne, and Sydney do play North Melbourne this week at Marvel Stadium, so it's in that range of Mason and Redmond top territory. If he can get going under the roof in those plus sixes, that's where I'm sitting on the fence. You don't know what's going to come in the last two games of the season, but his matchup this week is outstanding. So if there's plenty of switching from halfback to halfback for Sydney across the ground, east-west style, Lloyd could be in that range there this week. Already on to Jack Crisp. Yeah, we spoke about it earlier. He's actually matchup this week should be good. Not going to get tagged. Should be in that midfield at a high rate. Look, I, I was I was pretty much at this light, but, but I think we're pretty much. I'm not too sure if you're in the same situation. It's another hold for another week, so I'm going to say like for this week. But yeah, I mean, if he low scores again this week, well then there's no choice next week. Yet. So like for this week, based on what we could see happening in that midfield, yet. yeah, I agree. Like this week, um, plenty of midfield time, and hopefully he turns up. On to Jack McRae, so one of those guys you can trade out in midfield. But, you know, if you're happy with your top eight mids, you can obviously find points of difference in your forward line there or something like that. So, you know, I, your scoring output, I'm not going to shy away from. I still like it. And, uh, I'm going to say dislike. He's been frustrating as hell. And oh, I'm going to guess I probably traded him about five weeks ago, maybe six weeks ago. And it just hasn't panned out the way I thought. So um, I think my other option at the time was to bring Rory Laird in. So really costly. I'm bitter about it, naturally. So uh, I'll say dislike. Uh, Kitty Coleman. So again, outstanding. Man, he was excellent in that game on Sunday. Unfortunately, Brisbane couldn't hold on there late. But yeah, I just felt with Coleman there. Uh, late in that game, he was cramping up a lot. So um, obviously the... the the lines were short on runners uh, with regards to them naming uh, Dusty Ford as a ruck. So in hindsight, Fagan said that was a mistake in his presser, which I'm glad he actually said that because that was actually the correct answer to that question. But, you know, and Coleman did a lot of running that game, cramped up late, so may- maybe that impacts him this week. But, you know, he's a target next year, Jep, as well. So for the to finish off the season, hopefully, you know, he's fresh as en- freshens up this week. Um, he can get there with regards to his scoring. And don't forget that Rich- Daniel Rich was out of that team last week. So Rich will come back into that team. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like he's in the range. I do like the pick, and he's a big watch over the preseason. Get another preseason under his belt next year, Jep. I, I, I think he's going to be a, a pretty much in my front of mind to be starting in defence there. So thoughts there? Yeah, dislike for this um, for these last three games, but yeah, agree with you. Next year, he's uh, definitely on the watch list. Harry Hilberg. So I'm going to in a range of dislike. Oh, we did see the start forward last week, so that's in the in the alarm bells ringing there instantly. Uh, yeah, watch out for team selection there. So what we need to be looking for with regards to Himmelberg is a one extra defender goes out of that team, which will open up the situation for Himmelberg to go back. If that doesn't happen, any other situation apart from what I just said happens, you know, he could start forward again there. So, yeah, big watch this week for Himmelberg. But, yeah, dislike for me, need to get out of there, I would expect. But, you know, if he sits back, Jeff, we know his ceiling is monster. So, you know, 
you know, are we trading out potentially a monster ceiling top player? But he's high risk, so from that point of view, trade out, dislike. Uh, yeah, I'll say dislike on the assumption that he's going to play forward. But like you said, if he's playing back, it's just a completely different situation. Again, what we need to be looking at there for Himmelberg is that one extra defender needs to be out of that team this week. That's, that will open it up for Himmelberg, I do believe. So yeah, big watch on team selection. Uh, next one in there, Aaron Hall. So uh, health and safety protocols last week, named out of that team. It's been a wretched year for Hall. Injuries left, right and centre and just that latest issue there last week. I'm going to say no for the remainder of the year. What we have seen, and not just the AFL, is it you know, world sport there as well, is that you know, players coming back from uh, COVID there, the you know, soft tissue injuries can be a problem. And when we're talking about soft tissue injuries, um, in looking up the dictionary term, um, there's a picture of Aaron Hall. So he is the definition of that. So from that perspective, it's definitely a no because you're, just, you're asking for trouble. We know he's got the high ceiling. Kangaroos were actually better last week and didn't give a didn't give away a stack of inside fifties. That was still negative differential, but it wasn't as bad. Um, so and Lee Adams, Patch Adams, uh, interim senior coach there for North Melbourne, sort of referenced that is that they were much better uh, with regards to trying to play a forward half game, and a forward half game pretty much t- works out that you're going to have more inside fifties than your opponents, hopefully and obviously go to less disposal. So if that's a situation they want to get themselves into, that really doesn't play into the hands of uh, Aaron Hall. But, you know, him sitting in that team and taking all those kickouts and, and playing against Sydney this week, you've got to imagine Sydney going to have a stick in. And they, we know Sydney plays a really fast type of game and they like, you know, to move the ball fast in their forward line. So that, and if they're going to hit the scoreboard as well. So if they say, if they kick 20 points, that could be 20 kickouts for Hall. So, you know, high-selling, high-risk type player. I'm going to say this live, but, yeah, if people want to go there, I can understand it. Did you want to tap into his high ceiling, man? Thoughts, Sergio? Straight dislike, mate. It's too, again, the injury risk at this time of year just kills you. So um, I can't go there no matter how high his ceiling is. I put, you know, Redmond and him in the same boat at the minute, the way they're both playing. So go go with Redmond because he's fitter and healthier at this time of year and um, and looking the goods. Ryan Marshall, big like, hopefully solo right. Yeah, like as well, he, he's definitely solo rock. The Saints want the extra runner at all costs. So it worked well for them last week and it will work well for them this week as well. Now, the next one here is Sam Walsh. And if you're looking to move off a midfielder, um, I did trade Walsh in last week and on the back of pretty much who had been ruled out, it wasn't only just for last week, it was, you know, it was this week. He's pretty much was ruled out, you know, it was questionable at least for this week, but he's been ruled out again. Now, the other thing that happened there on the weekend for Carlton is that Matt Kennedy is now out of that team. So, you know, the Dan Hewitt, the Dan Kennedy, uh, we know Walsh has played uh, forward and just ran throughout the middle, of the middle of the ground and back into defence and just had a free reign to do whatever he wants. Can get there from a fantasy perspective there as well. But what we do need him is in that middle of the ground and that situation where it was last year, it was... Um, it was the Cripps and Walsh show. So I think we're going to get a stack of that to finish off the home and away season here, Jet. Um, Paddy Dale actually should come into that team, I would think, for Carlton. But from the perspective of who's going to be starting in that midfield there, it's going to be Chura, it's going to be Walsh, and it's going to be Cripps. I think that's your first three. Um, yeah. I'm pretty confident that's your first three. So if for sure. they're pretty much locking in Sam Walsh to be high midfield usage to finish off the season... We know he's a high-ceiling top player, so I love this pick. Thoughts? Yeah, um, I love the pick as well. I'm a proud owner, and I'm licking my lips as I hear you uh, pump up the situation for him. So 
Look, and with that, I know Chair is not on the list, but Chair has got to be another one to look at too. Mm. Yep, for sure. On to the next one there, Stephen Canelo managed last week, not on injury list this week. I expect him to come back in, but that giant situation is just no good for anyone. Now, obviously, everyone had to. He was, I think, he was 100% last week, so uh, everyone had to trade out. It was a, not a good situation. Um, I'd be avoiding giants wherever I could to finish off the year because who knows what the hell's going to happen. Uh, so for me, from that perspective, uh, dislike. Uh, and just that's still even taking into consideration his high ceiling. So, yeah, just uh, it's get out of the situation, owning any Giants, hopefully to finish off the year. Um, and that includes Canelio, unfortunately. Do like the player, do like the pick, do like the fantasy option, but just uh, dislike for me. Yeah, I agree. Dislike for me as well, buddy. James Sisley, I uh, still think it's a like here. Um, I don't think it's time to jump ship, although some have. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like the pick. Uh, I also dislike, but it wouldn't surprise me if he does well against yeah, Itaz. In Tassie, assuming the weather's fine. So good opponent, good um, good oval for a market game. So, yeah, I'll say I'll still say dislike because, you know, we harped on a lot about the other players that can trump him in terms of points the last three weeks. Luke Parker, I like the big for me. Yeah, no brain, I love it. And Zach Merritt, so uh, love the pick, and you'll say the same. Uh, just obviously you monitor this situation with regard to this week, um, with regard to a potential tag this week. So we know the Giants have gone with a tag. Uh, Lucky Ash has pretty much been that player. Cornelia was used uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, into Lockie Neal. Yeah, so he could be a potential tag this week. So just keep an eye. Obviously, I believe it's the early game there on Saturday, so we'll pretty much know early. So, you know, it might be one to avoid the VC this week um, to look elsewhere. Um, yeah, so just obviously still like the pick. Even if it's still a trade-in, I still like the pick. But, yeah, just might, he can get there anyway. So he can still bust out 100 after being tagged. So, But, yeah, if it's a real hard tag, you know, he's previously, previously shown a low score. But I do like the pick, uh, but yeah, obviously it could be a tag this week. Jeff, thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I like the pick as well. Um, he single-handedly saved my round last week as a captain choice and finally got a bit of luck on my way, but his hunger in that second half, you know, clapping the hands, running past, demanding the handball receive, that's what we want from our fantasy players, isn't it? Uh, he was on. So as much as that – for those that watch the game and obviously those enjoying the score – that final minute of the game, I believe he got a free kick. And I think it was Nick Hine was the player. He played on to advantage. And Merritt didn't get the extra plus three points from a fantasy perspective. So he didn't get the extra disposal. And Merritt went absolutely nuts because he knew that was another disposal. So that just shows you how dialed in he was just to, just, just to feast on whatever he could get. Now, it turned out to be 20 seconds later, he did get the ball and shot after so and so he did get his plus three. So, you know, one probably turned into the other, equaled out. But, yeah, he was just really hungry and he blasted. I think it was Nick Hine was the player who played on to advantage. He blasted him. So, yeah, really interesting there. He was on. So, all good there from that perspective for Zach Merritt. So, all right, Jeff, that's it for that 21 pack. So, final thoughts ahead of round 21. Hold those trades if you can. Um, but, yeah, look, enjoy the round. Don't be shy to go different now. It's it's really the time to do it. Monitor that fixture to finish out the season. Now, the point I'm referencing in, in here is that, you know, last week I'll just put out a tweet there that, you know, a subtle difference last last Sunday would have been to start 
uh, took Miller's vice captain and to have a loop option if you could into potentially a Lockie Neal or Zach Merritt. That would have turned out fine if it had been to Zach Merritt. Now, the issue that a lot of people might be facing is that they don't have that loop option on the bench, Jeff. So what you do need is a very late loop option. So, you know, you watch that, that Tuke Miller game. If you're not happy with his score, it's a little bit underweight or he gets tagged out of the game. And if he's a popular captain option, like you've got to imagine, you know, 50% of the top-ranked coaches are starting Miller as captain, you know, potentially burnt their vice-captain on the Saturday there because they don't have that loop option into the Sunday, you know, that's a situation where you can take advantage of it. So what you do, did need was a loop option. So what I'm suggesting here is that obviously look at the fixture and potentially one of the trades to use this week would be actually um, using a non-playing, tra- target trading in a non-playing player uh, in the final game this week that you can use as that loop option. So bring in an Adelaide player that is injury for the rest of the year to potentially use as a loop option if you wanted to do so there. So a little bit of a subtle difference, but obviously you need that late loop option to actually facilitate any move like that. So that's the one thing that I was going to do until, um, unfortunately, Cornelio was going to be ruled out. I was bringing in a player that was not going to be playing for the remainder of the year and to try and do what I suggested, with, which was to start... Uh, Miller is VC into Merritt is captain if I wanted to uh, pretty much accept the two Miller score, which if it was high, I was going to accept. And obviously I would have had that trading target to loop in to start on the bench, start on the ground as a seed, obviously not playing to capture his score. So, yeah, a bit of a subtle difference. So thoughts on that? Yeah, Jai Kelly could be the other option though there, mate. Um, pretty highly owned amongst um, amongst those faculties. So if you don't go with... Um, as Laird as final captain, you got Cully there as as the you know, your um your loophole. I've got plenty of loophole options, so it's not really an issue. But yeah, just make sure you're uh, factoring that in. And last week for me, it was pretty touch and go. I would have had to have done Durden straight after the game. Uh, Durden from um, Carlton defended Sandon, that is. So um, I was just waiting on on Steele's score. So decided against it and worked out for the best so yeah maintaining that you know we talk about how many points you can you can leak as as well by not nailing your captain and and look I, I feel like Oliver would be a VC for this Friday night straight up against Collingwood Collingwood uh, all midfielders against Collingwood have proven over a long time this year that um, they do well and there's no other real matchups that stand out that I go, wow, you know, even Brasher against the Bulldogs, I'm not sure that's really the right move. I don't think Geelong will put time into steel personally, but I could be wrong. Um, and and St. Kitter really need to win that game. So I might go VC steel at this point and, and probably captain in Walsh, actually, the way Brisbane are going and couldn't... Um, couldn't run out a, a lick, and we all know what Walsh can do for uh, with his legs and, and um, engine room. So, yeah, that's that's the thoughts there, mate. And uh, but it's going to be a fun round, isn't it? Certainly is. All right, Jeff. All the best to you this week, and obviously all the best to the listeners. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and good luck this week. Thanks, guys.